The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ, and go and have a seat. So of all the times I was able to hear a message or a teaching about the 23rd Psalm, which is a psalm that's associated with this day, the Good Shepherd Sunday, or um, of all the times I've heard that, one has always, since the day I received the gift, has always come to my mind first and foremost, and that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Um, this message, this teaching came from a, um, a, a fairly short a very dark-skinned, somewhat heavy-set young woman from south-central India. Her name was Sunitha Mortha. The evening that we met her, she was offering us her very best gift associated with this psalm, and actually probably one of the best gifts that she could have just ever given us uh, from her life story. 
She offered this piece of her life story because she was a Christian child that was in a land that did not have a lot of Christians, at least the place where she was being raised. And she said that although her story was unique to her, that in some way her story could be felt and understood by us all. It was the beginning of a school year for her. She was so nervous about this first day of school. She was wondering, what are the teachers going to demand and expect of me? And then she wondered, what are the students going to demand or expect of me? And how am I going to fit in? And the last, biggest thing that would cause her to be a little bit anxious or nervous about this day is, would they like me? When I go to school and I'm surrounded with these people, will they see me for who I am? And will they still like me? Well, she had specific spheres that, besides the nervousness, but specific spheres, and it was directly related to her skin color. See, people in India adhere to a caste system, she said. And in that system, some are considered better than others because they have more money, they have, uh, they're part of an accepted religion, maybe they have the powerful friends, they are recognized by the powerful people, maybe they have the beautiful outward appearance, and or for her, light skin. And some of those caste systems are found in every culture that we've ever seen or know. We know about them ourselves. She went on to describe how there are established boundaries between each caste level. The high had their systems and the middle didn't cross over. The middle had their systems. The lower didn't cross over. You stayed in your system. You operated in the system. These boundaries kept the high people high and kept the low people low. And although her family was not a part of the high or the low, they were in this middle caste system. Still, even that system, they understood that people with dark colored skin were not considered beautiful. The day came for her to go to school. She gathered her things. She put them in her backpack and she began this long walk to school. And as she walked along these streets, in India there's a lot of people, more per foot than we know here. Just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, and they're packed along these city streets, businesses, homes all mixed up, a few traffic pieces going on there, and roads. And one thing different she highlighted between here and there is that the roads there are just, they're made of dirt and tar. Just tar, poured out, stepped on the dirt. Dirt and tar. So here it is, this little girl. This, she's probably about a five-year-old, maybe going into first grade at this time. She's walked. She's got a little backpack, hair made, put up in bows, whatever. And she's walking to school for her first day of school. And she's going through the crowds, and she's walking along these busy city streets where they're selling food and doing all this sort of stuff along the dirt or the tar roads. And as she's walking along, from, from somewhere in a crowd, a man shouts the words, Dar Mark! He's gotten the people's attention. They have paused from their busyness of their day, and they've turned to look at him to see where he's at. Who's the one that shouted these words? And she, too, looks in the direction of the voice. And to her, her terror and her, her horde, within, she saw a man that was pointing at her. A man that was pointing at her. He is singling her out from the hundreds of people in that area. Of all the people, young and old, of all the different business classes and everything, he has pointed her out, and he is pointing to her, and he shouted, Dar Mark. Again, he shouts. Now she notices that everyone is now looking at her too. She's terrified. She's humiliated. She is publicly shamed by the works because he has called her Tar. This little girl is so dark, 
so vulnerable, so young. And the man is shouting and laughing, ridiculing her and calling her tar. The people joined in. Sunitha begins to run away through the crowd. And she begins a little bit further to start to cry as she runs. She's crying and she's running and she's running. And she can't go to school. So she runs home. She rushes into the door. She goes into her room and she lays on her bed because she is going to prepare to act sick. She describes what she felt as this. She said, I felt like an insignificant, dirty, ugly Little black dot. Her parents came home and noticed that she's sick and that she's troubled. She doesn't tell them why, she just acts sick. But a couple of days later, her parents, you know, they say that you're not really, I can see you're not sick, but something's going on. So they insist that she's going to go to school. She dreads another public appearance, she said, more than death. But she is forced to go. And so she begins that long, frightening walk. And now she's nearing the place where that evil crime took place. She's trying to walk behind big people so that she can be hidden by their presence. She's carefully walking to see if that vulgar, evil man is anywhere nearby. She does not see him, so she continues her walk now a little faster, hoping to get through this space to avoid him. And then it happens again. She hears the words, Dar Mark. The words penetrate the noisy crowd, pierce her heart. Dar Mark. She panics. Without looking in his direction, but she knows it's her. She knows it's her that this evil is singling it out, so she begins to run again. And she runs and she runs and she gets home, and this time she hides in her room. She hides in her closet behind her clothes, and there she's at. All day, she wonders why God would make her so ugly. All day, she wonders why that man is so hurtful. Even worse... She wonders why her dad lied to her all those years when he called her his beautiful little princess. He lied when she, in fact, was an ugly, dirty, black dot. Tar. Her dad comes home that night. He calls his precious little girl by name as he's been calling her her whole life. She hides from him. But in time, he finds her. Mom rats her out, says she's in the closet. He takes her by the hand. He brings her out of her hiding place. He picks her up, and he embraces her. He sits down, and he embraces her on his lap. And, and she says, she, in that place, she didn't want to be on his lap. She just wanted to crawl back into that shadow and be an overlooked little black dot. But a moment passes, he would not let go. And her tears then begin to flow. And then moments more pass, and all of a sudden this hurt and this fear break loose, and the tears turn into full-on crying. And while he's in his father's loving embrace, or she's in his, her, his embrace, he asks her, Sunitha, what is happening? When her crying subsides, he asks again, what is happening? Reluctantly, she confesses. 
The evil man shouts at me, Dar, Mark, and he points at me. The people all laughed at me. Daddy, I'm ugly, and I am dirty, and I'm a shameful black dot in this world. And Daddy, you lied to me. You called me beautiful little princess. You lied to me. Well, he holds her for a moment. At this point now, he's fighting back tears. And he's actually really fighting back some rage because what kind of a monster of a man would do this to a little girl? And he wants to wreck him. But when his composure is regained, he looks at his little girl's eyes and he says, as he's always said, I have not lied to you, Sunitha. I love you. You are the most beautiful little girl God could have ever given to me. You are my beautiful princess. And then he said, and if you ask, I will walk with you. And I will protect you from that evil man. As long as I live, you will never have to walk alone. The next day she asked. And she said, her exceptionally tall and strong father proudly held her, hand, held her hand and he walked his princess to school. And when he got to the place where the evil one resist, resided, he saw the evil man and he pointed at him out and he stared him down. And he was silent. And she was safe. When she entered her story, she knelt in front of a big cross on stage, and there she prayed. And when her prayer had ended, she remained kneeling and quiet. And as she knelt, the lights of the building dimmed to the point it was complete darkness inside this building. Guys, would you turn those off? And in the darkness, there was complete silence. And then it happened. The darkness was pierced by a single bright white light shining upon the cross, much like behind the cross here. And then the silence was pierced by the sound. Okay, 20,000 teenagers, 5,000 adults are in this place, and that silence in the stadium in the darkness was pierced by Sunitha's voice. And she read us the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to ask that you read that with me now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not that one yet, guys. God... God broke through the darkness with his light and his son on a cross. God broke 
through the silence of creation with His Word and into our world with His Good Shepherd. He walks with us, our Good Shepherd. And we are never, ever alone. A short, dark-skinned, somewhat heavy, young woman from south-central India gave the most precious and beautiful gift she could possibly give. The gift was not so much about a father who loved his little girl and called her his precious little princess. The gift was about our Heavenly Father who comes across time and eternity and He tears open the heavens and through His Son in baptism says, You are mine. I love you. And you are beautiful in my sight. The gift was not so much about mortal parents who who walk next to their children and we do our best to protect our children and keep them away from evil. It wasn't so much about that. The gift that she gave that night is the fact that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our good shepherd. He laid his life down. He took his life up again. He has authority to do this. And he did it. He stands between us and the evil in this world. And He stares evil down and He delivers us. And on our last day, He will do that at the grave because He will deliver us from that evil thing and that death. Some have argued that nowhere in the Bible, nowhere else in the Bible does Jesus express His intent and His mission and his ministry more than what we read in today's gospel lesson. And we could have flown right by it without paying much attention, but at this point we're going to highlight it, and that was that next screen. Today's gospel lesson, John 10, verse 10, he says that. And let's read it together. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. His mission, His ministry, His reason, His purpose, His intent. In contrast to all that the world wants to do to rob us of life, think about it. Think about the thieves who rob us of our holiness and have us participate in the the disgusting things in this world. The thieves that cause us to lose our righteousness and maybe even throw in our freedom so we'll be slaves to this world. Think about the bandits who strike us with, with thoughts of inadequacies who use people to speak those ugly things, who use other people to cause doubts inside of us. Think about the evil that expressed through people from the time they enter school on those playgrounds when they're being teased and ridiculed for everything all the way till the time they go to the grave. All the way that this vain addictions in this life rob us of life, about the joy-robbing worries that are inspired by liars and lies in this world, in contrast to all of that that wants to kill and steal and destroy us, we have Jesus. And Jesus comes to give life. But not just life. What's the last word on that second sentence? It starts with an A. It says, abundantly. Let's say that word together. Abundantly. Jesus comes so that we have abundant life now and into eternity. Did you hear the subtleties? It's not just survival. It's flourishing. 
He doesn't have us as Christians in his church and in his flock so that we can just get by. He wants us to thrive. It's not just existence in gray, mundane worlds that you can't even remember what you did the day before, the clothes you wore, the food you ate. No, but joy that you remember. This is the good news. This is the message of the Good Shepherd. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it abundantly. A little girl caught a glimpse of God in the love and the life and the protection and provision of her, of her daddy. Soon as he saw God as she saw her daddy, just a glimpse. In the church, we have seen a glimpse as we read the word, but we get a full glimpse as we participate in the sacraments and the story, and he fills us with a full glimpse of his life and his love, his provisions in Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. This historical, true fact is the most precious gift we have. It's also the most precious and beautiful gift that we are called to share. And as we think about those things, we'll end with a prayer. So let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your Son to be our Good Shepherd. We need you to make us faithful. We need you to make us courageous followers. We want you to use us. Use all that we have, all that we are, to bring others into the joy of your presence. Use us. Make us, Lord, make us good shepherds who bring all of your family home. That we will be a lead sheep and we will run to our shepherd. And as we do so, we will call out to all the other sheep so that in this house they will gather. In your house across the earth, in your church, they will gather. And Lord, that your church and this Emmanuel Lutheran Church is one of them, will fully participate in your abundant life. You lead, Lord. We will follow. Amen.